Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by 444.com. I'm Ryan Noonan, joining me as always, fellow 444 co-director of betting, Connor Allen. What's going on, my man? Not much. I uh, had a great time hanging out with you, Silva, Daigle, Rahul, uh, all on Saturday. Um, it was nice to get back together and everything. Uh, the nomad Daigle is finally back in his hometown of Chicago, or you know, new hometown, so it was a lot of fun. It was. Uh Really excited to unpack this week. We had a great guest, so we're bringing a great division. We got the uh, AFC North on tap. Uh, joining the, joining us this week to unpack it from a betting perspective is CBS NFL senior writer, the host of the Pick Six podcast over there on CBS as well. It's Will Brinson. Uh, Will, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Uh, where were uh, where did you guys get to hang out with uh, Silva Silva and Daigle? And I mean Silva. I don't know if people understand just how huge a human being <laughs> like, 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 it's just, it's like, like he's like he's just way taller than you expect when you meet him oh yeah yeah so he's a nasty. big boy yeah, yeah. We, we have a uh fairly regularly we uh go over to a uh a restaurant that silva is a wine club member we go over to uh, cooper's hawk and take advantage of uh you know silva lets him stack up a little bit those the bottles <laughs> the bottle of the month and then we as a group take advantage of it uh few different times a year so nice uh, always a good time i just want before we even start we'll actually our cash getting you that getting the wine getting the wine call right? <laughs> yeah well he could probably do it by himself but i think he's nice <laughs> enough to bring us along for the journey because like you said he's, he's a big boy and he can put it away with the best of them uh, but yeah just a theoretical conversation well this is just may have happened may have not happened this may have been someone that's already been mentioned maybe not but i would love to get your take as a football guy if someone who you respect were to say something like, Oh, right. I know where this is going. Maybe Marshall Falk wouldn't be in the NFL nowadays if he were around, or maybe someone like, I don't know, Lawrence Taylor would be lucky to make his JV team. Was it Lawrence Taylor? I think it's LaDainian Thomason. All of it. Will. all All of the above. I I, like, I'm firmly in trend. I mean, we gotta, we gotta call somebody out. They're going to take it. Cause I think, Daigle has this take. I mean, like he would, he would make this take public. It's honestly the worst take of the century. Like it's it's it, it, I I don't like if you want to say that. So like my friends and I will talk about like could you fight you know a professional boxer from the thirties? Yes, of course. Like I'd probably beat him up. You know, like you know, he's a, he's just me. Like he's a, you know a medium sized, fairly in shape. Quasi in shape, white, like you know, white guy, and it's in his late. In late I'm in my 40s now, but you, you get the point. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're doing 30s, that's one thing, but Ladanian Tomlinson would wreck chop on the NFL in 2021, like destroy it. He would catch 150, he'd be a like a stronger Christian McCaffrey. Yes, that's what we tried to make. Like, I tried, I tried to like walk it back for him, like. I gave him Mike Allstott or like we even went out and said Jerome Bettis, which, you know, again, probably serviceable, but you know, decent feet for a bigger guy. But you know, that back, that sort of guy is not really in the league as much anymore. Marshall. Like Marshall Falk, like <laughs> Marshall Falk could catch a hundred passes right now at age 48. Yeah, unbelievable. It, it, is, it is arguably the worst sports take I've ever heard. Not like Skip Bayless, you know, non like purpose. Maybe worse than some stuff Skip Bayless said. No offense, Daigle, if you're watching. It is, and the problem is that we have a lot of respect for Daigle's takes. So yeah, it's like, like it's so hard football. God, that's so, so weird. Is it's it a so young? Funny. Is it a young thing? You know, we you were saying like 
you like Connor doesn't know who the offspring are or whatever. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. is it is it a, is it a Ryan? Is it like a youth thing or is it simply a? Because I think he said he'd watch tape of of Marshall Paul. So he's not our age, well, because I think you and I are of similar age. Connor's uh, even younger than Daigle, but Daigle's not that young. He's early early thirties. Like, yeah, like he know? was alive and had eyeballs when the yeah. when the Greatest Show on Turf was operating, right? I mean, that, and that was it too. There was another thing: Greatest Show on Turf would be just uh, you know nothing. It'd be right. the, the Jets' yeah. offensive last season. They they set the precedent for like what the Chiefs do now. I mean, they, they would be incredible if if you wanted to say like uh, actually it's even worse. Like somebody like Oz Akeem would be even better now than he was then. He had only worked because he was with the the Rams. What are, what are we talking about? Marshall Falk. Led the league in yards from scrimmage on two different teams in back-to-back years. What are we yeah, so like trying to retroactively fit it to like it would have like Jacoby Myers would have been like Jerry Rice if he would have played in the eighties. Like, what are we talking yeah. about? Like, it, it's just so mind-numbingly dumb. So and it's not like it's not like Marshall Falk was, you know, like what would he have to be for it wouldn't work? I mean, he was five. He was like five ten two two twenty or two ten. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't. Oh, yeah. He wasn't like. Like Jerome Bettis, I would get. That's okay. You know, Jerome Bettis is one thing. It's like, okay, th- you know, he doesn't really have a place in the modern NFL outside of, you know, maybe being just a goal line back. I mean, he's he's not going to be a feature back who gets, you know, highly drafted and works worms his way into the Hall of Fame. But Marshall Falk, I mean, the guy finished with, what, I mean, he had finished with 6,875 receiving <laughs> yards in his career. What are we talking about? Yeah. I, I went uh, back immediately and just tried to drum up any like San Diego State highlights I could find. But can you just watch this? Like some of the stuff is incredible. And his argument is like these dudes are like in neck rolls and, you know, the guys that he's playing against. I'm like, what are we? This is uh, just wait, wait, absolutely yeah. wild. Wait, so, so it's like, but he wouldn't be good because of the defense? Yeah, the, 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 basically the dudes he's playing against are your 1930s boxer equivalent. Yeah, that's that's a. I mean, Marshall Falk was playing in in, in like 2005. I mean, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. It is. It is arguably the worst take. Yeah. Well, thank you for walking through this hypothetical conversation that may or may not have taken place <laughs> during the dinner that Connor referenced because oh, it oh, was yeah. insane. What was the, like what, what was what did Silva say when all this was happening? Oh like, no, I, same thing. Like Silva and I were trying, we were just trying to drum up okay, other okay, dudes okay. that are comparable, like you know, uh, Ricky Waters or Charlie Garner, or, you know, uh, Roger Craig. All these guys that were very versatile that were really kind of ahead of their time, and they would just slide right in to a nice role nowadays. They would, they, it just is wild. So he, he said they would. Oh yeah, Daigle, Daigle was alone. There was he, he was fish Daigle out of water. That, like wait, he thinks that he he doesn't think any of those guys would slide no, in. No, none of them. None like Charlie Garner would just be good now. Good, totally yeah. good still. And he wasn't even like he was barely good then, but he'd be really good now because they so, teams would use him smarter. So does he think that like Priest Holmes would suck now? Oh yeah, Priest Holmes sucked when he was playing. That's what was that we were told. <laughs> wait, really? Uh, yeah. This is what is happening. Yeah. Is, this, is this is this why, like our parents are grouchy and like annoyed all the time? Because this is like what younger people are like. You know who sucks? Priest is like like <laughs> Lawrence Taylor is terrible. It's like what? I think Daigle, to be honest, just spent too much time in his car in the last six months. And there must be some sort of like reverse exhaust situation. All the Airbnbs that he's done just as being a nomad and, and traveling the world. With the engine running in a, in a garage. Yeah. He's just so far, he had no attachments to reality. He lost other 
outside realities too, and it has impacted his football analysis somehow. Now so, I want to like look up who the because. I mean, I I kind of get it if you want to start talking about the ninety. I mean, to a small like to the small degree, like you want to talk about the early like late eighties, early nineties. Sure, but even then, I don't know if that works. I mean, like yeah. Jim Kelly and I mean, does this apply to quarterbacks too, or is this just we didn't? Uh, Joe Montana was brought up. Joe Montana was not uh, did not make it. Uh, he did not have a pr- Joe an Montana- approval. Well, so you're telling me that like the hyperactive system, I mean the hyper accurate system quarterback who um who who like you're telling me that Joe Montana would Joe Montana would destroy now. He would just be like a he would just be Drew Brees, like a more mobile Drew Brees, basically. Yeah, just a guy. Guy you would walk past in the grocery store and wouldn't know uh that he was an NFL quarterback. Un- so. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right, let's talk football now. We, we roasted Daigle for a little bit. Uh, Daigle, if you're watching, I'm sorry. You brought this on yourself. Uh, you know, you have better takes, man. Um, we're going to talk AFC North here. We've got our odds from our friends over at WinBets. Uh, like I said, great division. Uh, it's going to match the takes we have from Will here. It'll be better than Daigle's. Ravens <laughs> are the favorite here, plus 105 to win the division. Browns a little bit behind that at plus 155. Steelers down at 4-1. to one. Again, really good start for them. Everyone's buried them already this year. And then 18-1 to hanging back there for the Bengals. So, uh, Connor, give me your thoughts overall on this division. Obviously, some shifting. We had the Steelers won this last year, got off to an 11-0 start. We know how things went. Uh, Browns are ascending. The Ravens will not go away. Uh, What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think both the the Browns and Ravens are just strong, strong Super Bowl contenders, like right off the top. Uh, and then you have a potentially ascending team in the Bengals, uh, and the Steelers are, you know, a team that everyone, like you said, has already written off. But uh, they, I mean, they still have some strong pieces defensively, uh, and that are a little bit scary. You know, even if even if Big Ben's arm does kind of fall off there, so I think this is a great division, and I think it's it's a reason that we kind of held it back for uh, a good guess. So I'm excited to dive in. Yeah, basically 11 everywhere is the win total for the Ravens. Start with them. Uh, there's some 10 and a half out there with a little bit of juice. Minus 320 to make the playoffs. You can fade them at plus 220. They are plus 750 to win the AFC, 14 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Um, narrative basically around the Ravens, pretty much the same that it's been the last couple of years, basically to compete with the Chiefs and come out of the AFC. Lamar has got to take some steps to improve as a pocket passer. They um, led the league in point differential by a massive margin last year, 13 points per game over the last two years, actually. Uh, But they haven't even found their way into an AFC title game yet. They've obviously stubbed their toe in a big way against the Titans, and we know what happened last year against the Bills. Um, If there's any year that they're going to do that, they seem to have added some weapons to take that step, bringing Sammy Watkins over, adding Rashawn Bateman in the draft. Uh, Will, talk to me about the Ravens. Yeah, you know, I um I wish I had gotten on the Ravens divisional odds a little bit earlier in the year. I mean, you're still getting plus money, so it's not terrible. But they were, I mean, I think they were behind the Browns at one point this offseason. Cleveland was just the favorite to win the AFC North, which, I mean, you know, talk, you know we talk about, you know, go back to the 90s and the early 2000s. Go, you know, go tell somebody in 2005 that the Browns, you know, in 2021, the Browns will finally be favored to win the right. like, oh, well, that only took 22 years. Um you know, I, I think on, on on the Lamar Jackson thing, what I think is kind of interesting about Lamar, uh, you know, when you start looking at his props and his MVP odds, 15 to 1, which is you know sort of high for a guy who won it uh, two years ago. When Patrick Mahomes had his 2018, you know, banana season, 
everybody in the fantasy and betting and online football community, everybody around football is like, well, look, we're going to use the word regression here, but we don't mean it in a pejorative manner. You know, he's going to take a, there's going to be a regression of his stats towards a more realistic number because he can't lead the league in touchdown percentage by this margin. He can't throw for 50 every year, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody's like, and then, then it happened. He got hurt and his stats went down. Everybody's like, wow, you know, and they won the Super Bowl. Everybody's like, wow, you know, that's just what happens. But then the exact same thing happened to Lamar Jackson last year. And everybody, and everybody who, you know, didn't like him coming out of the draft is all of a sudden like, oh, there it is. Lamar can't <laughs> win from the pocket. Ah, you, you can't win with this guy. And, and I, I think it's just unfair because, you know, he, he still, he still threw 26 touchdowns, just nine interceptions. You know, he, you know, his QBR was still fine. He, um, you know, he still passed for 27, uh, you know, 20, almost 2,800 yards and, and he only played in 15 games. He sat out that last week. So, I think that Lamar is being a little bit undervalued relative to what his upside actually is. And so I think there's some, I don't like betting MVP guys at 15 to one, but you know, Mahomes and Lamar winning MVP and back to back years. Uh, and then Rogers doing it as, as a double digit guy too, has really kind of constricted that market. There's just not a lot of value in the MVP betting these days. Yeah. Um, but I think Lamar is one of those guys that actually has some value because he's won it before. You remember, you got to get in the mindset of the voters and think about it. And, um, and, you know, when I look at the Ravens, I would be perfectly fine backing to win the Super Bowl. I think eight to one to win the AFC is pretty freaking good odds as well. Uh, they're, they're just a little bit undervalued for me right now. And if I could find a 10 and a half or an 11, I would take that over. Uh, the, you know, we got 17 games. I don't think that the sports books have, necessarily know what they're doing with the 17th game because these these numbers are still I mean they're they're bumped up a little bit for 17 games but in a lot of these cases you know the Bills at 10 and a half the Ravens at 10 and a half or 11 I mean that should really be 11 and a half in my in my opinion with 17 games yeah I feel that way and Connor and I were talking about that earlier too in the prop market as well especially on like the quarterback yeah. side uh, a lot of numbers are really really light especially when you look in you know, we have our new player prop tool over at four for four which is outstanding runs off of john paulson's projections and we're over on a lot of quarterbacks and by like a large margin too and i know it's hard to bake in there are so many outs in taking unders obviously in, in sure. season-long props it's the ideal way but like man i don't know i think there's something to that like i don't know that it's baked in there fully as I, well, I, mean, I, so. I mean i don't think so when was the last time that like when was the last time there wasn't sixteen games? I should know this. I'm, I'm old, but I mean, I'm trying to think what exactly what the year was when there was not years. not in my lifetime, right? Know. Exactly. So there's nobody out there who knows how to because you can't just say, okay, let's divide this number by sixteen and then multiply it by seventeen. That that doesn't work because you have to factor in you know a guy a team like the the Ravens, John Harbaugh very staunchly is not going to play them in week 17 if week 17 doesn't matter um right. you know and so i think there's just a lot of that goes in there but but the ravens as a whole i believe 1978 there we go so i wasn't alive shoot <laughs> golly um I, I think the ravens as a whole because of last because they didn't win the division last year because people have this sort of narrative mindset about lamar jackson um because maybe people are, are a little bit bored with the the Ravens being good, and I don't know, they they to me are undervalued in the market relative to the quality of team that they are. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think there was something to the fact that they were a little predictable down the stretch. Like they basically did not throw outside the numbers. They had like twenty five percent of their pocket pass attempts outside the numbers. It was a lot of 
just over the middle and it's uh, up the scene to Andrews or, you know, maybe a dump off occasionally. And again, now they've massively have upgraded the talent around it. So we're getting rid of some of the other ancillary guys and have actually upgraded with some talent too. Uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on the Ravens? I know that it's been a team that you've backed pretty heavily the last couple of years. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I have a few bets that I actually, I've actually made on the Ravens so far. Um, so last year they finished ninth overall in offensive EPA in like a down year. Uh, and then this offseason, obviously they added Sammy Watkins, drafted Rashad Bateman. Um, and so they also added, you know, Kevin Zeeler, Villanueva, John, Juwan James on the offensive line. Um, and really for me, this team, I think right now there's a big value in taking their over on 444 and a half total season points. So they scored 468 last season in a down year in 2020. Uh, the year prior, 530 points, and now you get an extra game. So for me, like this line is like a good 30-ish, 40 points off wow. of what it should be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that this is a smash considering they upgraded their weapons and they upgraded the offensive line. And yeah, I mean, they're they're set and ready to go. So I, I'm I'm pretty big on that. Uh, I also think that, but on on the other hand, so I think that there's actually a chance to take some Marquise Brown unders right now. Marquise Brown over under 60 and a half receptions. He had 58 last year with next to no target competition. And Mark Andrews was a little bit, you know, shaky the entire year. He missed two games with COVID. And like I said, they added Watkins, they added Bateman. Um, so I think that that kind of dilutes the target share a little bit. I mean, Brown had a 26% target share last year and only had 58 receptions, which is pretty shocking to say the least. Um, so our projections actually have him at 48 and a half. Uh, a good margin under the total. And I don't, I'm not really sure about that, but I think that around 50 receptions makes sense on the season, even if Sammy Watkins is still dusty. I mean, they're like the other ancillary guys were like, you know, Willie Sneed and like some other no names. Dez played some snaps here and there. You know what I mean? Like these guys. Another team in yeah, yeah. These are corpses out there. So like yeah. now you're adding guys who I think can at least move a little bit and not to mention Rashad Bateman's who, who a lot of people love. I mean, he was a great, he's a great prospect. Uh, so yeah, I think that Brown, you know, Marquise, he's going to have some long catches. He's going to have some big games out of nowhere, but it's going to be like three for 80 and a touchdown. Not going to be like six for 50 and a touchdown. That's just not Marquise Brown's game. I mean, does Bryant make his JV team if he were playing nowadays? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Lamar Jackson is his most career attempts is 401. I mean, he's just, there's just not going to be a ton of passing. And, you know, we mentioned, you mentioned Jimmy Watkins and Rashad Bateman. I would, I would just point out too, that. Like, I think, I know he's a six-rounder last year, but James Prochet out of SMU, I loved coming out of college. He just makes plays. I wouldn't be surprised if he got a little bit of a bigger role. Devin uh, DeVarney, DeVarney, how do I always mispronounce his name? It was a third-round pick <laughs> last year, too. And then Tyler Wallace, before he tore his ACL at Oklahoma State, that dude was yeah. a monster. So there, there were, there are, and Miles Boykin was a third-round pick in 2019. I mean, they these are guys that they've invested heavily in, and they're all, you know, third-round or third-year or younger wide receivers. So, you could see guys leap up and take some of those targets. And yeah, I mean, Brown just isn't a guy who is going to be a catch monster. Like he might have a great season. I'm certainly going to set a bunch of money on fire stacking him and Lamar and DFS <laughs> several weeks, but um, I, I don't, I don't see him having, you know, a ton of catches. And uh, one more thing on, on, you know, if you're looking at Ravens overs too, and you know, Lamar specifically, they don't play the Browns or the Steelers until week 12. So all four of their really, in theory, divisional competitive games are in between week 12 and week 18, which should mean that you see Lamar play in week 18 against the Steelers. You know, certainly Pittsburgh could be out of it. They could sit him. That's happened before. But uh, there's a decent chance that I think, you you know, you see them. They're going to try to be competitive down the stretch. And and that, that means Lamar in more games probably, you know, bump up the totals if you're taking those overs on a quarterback. 
Yeah, love that point for sure. How about the running back situation? I mean, we know that they're going to they're gonna run a ton with Lamar. Uh, his prop is a little bit light according to our projections. You get 9.50.5 over at MGM. We have him clear over 1,000 again. Um, Dobbins in that range as well. And then Gus Bus is going to mix in quite a, uh, quite a good bit as well, which he should. He's another guy that just is every time he gets the ball, he's pretty outstanding with it. And again, running behind a running, running quarterback always boosts running totals as well. Uh, Connor, any takes on the running props that we have posted out there? We're pretty high on Gus in relation to his prop number. Mm. Oh, you're muted, my man, two weeks in a row. Hey, it was a good run. Two Three weeks, weeks without it. Yeah, Three weeks, it was good. That's good it's okay. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Daniel Jeremiah has been at Ravens camp and just been talking up. D- hey, hey, former, former Ravens employee, too. So, that's you know, don't forget the DJ. Knows, I mean, he knows the that's, Ravens. Yeah, in. I mean, he's been talking up nonstop, just saying, like, Dobbins is going to get the ball. He's going to be – he's going to crush it. And I think that there was never a doubt that Dobbins was going to crush it. He's obviously he was insanely efficient, efficient last year. It's just a question of, like, what is the split going to be between Gus and Dobbins? I mean, I think that there's a chance that if Dobbins is playing well enough or outplaying him enough, that maybe the split goes further towards Dobbins than people are expecting and that our median projections are just a little bit off. Um, but, but the issue is that last year and what we've seen, basically all we've seen is like a running back by committee and that Gus has been good enough to stay on the field, very north-south runner uh, and a guy that just consistently gains yards, like you said. So, I mean, Dobbins would have to be awesome, but I think that they're, that's definitely in the range of outcomes for him just to be so good that – they're kind of like, why are we not giving this guy 15 carries a game like every single week, you know, 15 plus. Um, and so for me, probably the prop market's not a way to be there. I'll have some exposure in fantasy, though, because I do think that he could explode. And I mean, if, if Gus goes down or, you know, they don't like any of the backups, I mean, Dobbins seeing 20 carries a game in that offense would just be fire. I mean, like that's a touchdown in 100 yards a game literally every single week. I am. I am extremely, I, and this is not, I mean, when DJ tweeted it out, I was actually kind of annoyed because, um, yeah, Connor, we're in a, we're in a, we, you and I weren't arguing about Dobbins, was it? Wasn't it? I don't think so. No. Okay. It was Amika, maybe, who was, who probably, was, yeah. Yeah. Him and Siege were like, no, nah, he's, he's too efficient. And so I was like, what do you mean he's too efficient? That's like, you guys don't like Nick Chubb. We were like, no, we don't. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't, like, what do you, don't like Nick Chubb and Dobbins? I think Dobbins has a huge year. If you look at his, you know, the first 10 weeks of the season, he only had two games where he was above 50% of the offensive snaps played. Um, and then in the final, uh, what, he had the COVID list situation with Pittsburgh, but then in his final six games, um, he only had two games where he was under 50% of the snaps played. And, you know, he obviously, you know, he had that game against Cincinnati where he went for, you know, 160 yards on 13 carries and two touchdowns. It does not bring a ton of receiving, receiving up or not as much receiving upside as maybe you would like. But, and I do have concerns that if they are up on teams, I think Gus will be the guy to maybe salt it away. Sort of like Dobbins, is, you know, you, you pass to take the lead, you run to, you know, you run to close the game out. I think it's like Gus is, I mean, Dobbins will be the guy that they're trying to take the lead with. And then I, I think there'll probably be something, so, just because if you look at, um, you know, like look at Kevin Stefanski, who's big into analytics, and look at, and we'll talk about the Browns in a minute, but Harbaugh, clearly big into analytics. I think there's, um, you can tell this happened with Dalvin Cook. Um, it happens with Nick Chubb. You know, it's probably going to happen with Dobbins. There's just a certain number of carries that they don't want you to, they don't want them averaging 25 carries a game because they just don't believe, they believe it reduces the season long effect, effectiveness, all of that. So it is a concern, the number of carries, but I just think in that offense with Lamar Jackson being a threat to run, 
what he opens up for a running back that Dobbins can absolutely explode in this offense. So I, I'll, I, I looked real quickly. I think I have him on 33% of my teams, an underdog right now. Um, you know, he's people just are shying away from him because, hey, this wide receiver thing is weird. And, and B, uh, you know, it's like, it'd be like, well, you know, Dobbins could be good, but he's just didn't, you know, the, the, the narrative. He's not going to get carries. He's not going to get catches. I, I love right. Dobbins here. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm all in on JK. Yeah. Both of them salting the game away is going to work. Cause that's going to be the thing though. still like, I know that Lamar has, maybe he's been a little underrated, but they are not built or they haven't shown the ability yet to come from behind. It's just been a real problem. So maybe that's a change this year. We talk about Sammy being dusty. If he's going to not be dusty, it's with Greg Roman. That worked pretty well in a previous life in Vault in uh, Buffalo. So, like, that could be a thing. And he's had moments. Like, we could talk about him being inconsistent, but, like, he has these weeks that have popped in the last few years, and he's not that old. Like, he can still get it done. Dude, not like 22. <laughs> yeah, it's just, we're not talking about Dez. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's a little different. I'm interested to see what they're going to have to generate pass rush. They do it better than anyone. Like, they use their corners to blitz more than anybody because they lost Ngakwe and Judon in free agency. They're going to have to manufacture some stuff, but I think they're probably going to be able to do it. Uh, and, again, probably maybe the best cornerback room in the league. They're outstanding. So, they're definitely in the mix, and there's a reason they're the favorites here. All right, we'll move on next to the aforementioned Cleveland Browns. Ten and a half is the number everywhere for their win total. Uh, minus 230 to make the playoffs. They are plus 170 to not. Uh, eight and a half to one to win the AFC. 16 to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, they have the second easiest schedule in the league this year. They basically start with a road trip to Kansas City. But after that, they lighten up uh, in a big way. Five of the next seven at home. Texans, Bears, Broncos, all in that mix. So uh, nice, easy schedule for them. They won 11 games last year after 12 straight losing seasons. The naysayers out there will tell you that they outperformed their Pythagorean win expectation by about three games. They won their first playoff game since the 90s against a decrepit Steelers team. Uh, They went 7-2 in one-score games, uh, and they are just pumping their own tires in a big, big way after keeping it close against a Kansas City team that didn't have Patrick Mahomes for most of the game. So I don't know if I'm one of those naysayers, but, Will, I want to hear what you have to say about the Browns. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't want to be against – so I like the Browns, and I like everything. I, I'm a big Baker Mayfield guy. I'm somehow on this little island like with a with or maybe like a small boat, like yelling, oh, no, Beckham's going to be good still. <laughs> um, I, I think that you can make an argument that Nick Chubb is the best running back in all football. Love Nick Chubb. Um, you know, I, there's, there, there's a ton of like about the Browns. I, I think they're a great team. I don't, I don't understand. I can't get past these odds. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's 16 to one to win the Super Bowl. The Cleveland Browns. And it's Kevin Stefanski's second year. I think what Baker's doing this off season where he's, he's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even worried about a contract. Don't even, don't, you don't even worry about paying me. I'm not going to do any GQ interviews. I'm not talking to Mina Kimes. None of this, uh, you know, none of this progressive insurance or whatever he was doing. You know, like he's, he's, he's being kind of quiet. He's, I think it's smart. I, I expect them to be a really good team and I think they will be a playoff team, but I can't, I can't take the Browns over 10 and a half. That it, it, there's just something fundamentally wrong about that, especially, you know, Ryan, when you point out the, the one score games there, you know, that's a, that's a red flag. Um, and, oh, Lord, under 10 to 1 to win the AFC? No, thanks. I, I just think I'm pro- – I would I would rather put my faith in the Ravens at similar numbers than to 
back the Browns. I'm probably just going to stay away from the Browns and let my fade of the Steelers and uh, follow of the Ravens sort of kind of like, I'm just not going to have a whole lot on the Browns in terms of betting uh, those odds. I don't want to take the under because I think they could easily get to 11, but I'm, I'm not taking the over. Yeah, I think I agree with that take. Like, I want them to, to do well. There's a lot to like. Like, we want the analytic starlings in our space to, like, be rewarded for their good choices and their their smart management of roster construction and uh, smart play calling, pre-stat motion, um, you know, play action stuff, all the things that we want them to do that we show over time raises your expected points, expectations, all these things we want them to do well. But it is it's very, very, very rich. Um, Connor, what are your thoughts on some of the early Browns numbers? Yeah, I do agree with a lot of what you guys are saying on in terms of the odds. I would say, though, that like their defense is projected to make a big leap. Uh, and I mean, they pretty much have to. So they were 23rd in EPA defensively last season. Um, now they added uh, John Johnson, Troy Hill, Jadavian Clowney, Tack McKinley, Malik Jackson, Anthony Walker, like literally like, you know, five, six really strong guys there that can make a difference on the defense. So, I mean, I think that they should, you know, easily vault into the top 10 and flirt with top five numbers uh, defensively. Uh, the offense as well, you know, they have actually the number one offensive line, according to Justin Edwards, uh, four for fours offensive line rankings, who's done a great job the last few years. OBJ is healthy, like you said, you know, I think that they started going a little bit past heavier two down the stretch. Um, like, I'm still believing OBJ, you know, I think that he's just kind of had a rough, uh, rough patch going the last few years with injuries and kind of the offense and, you know, all everything that's been going on. I think that he can break out. But when it comes down to it, you know, uh, really easy strength of schedule uh, again this year, um, you know, but. They don't play a lot of good teams. They play a lot of average ones, which is kind of a little scary for me. It's like they play a lot of – they don't play like a few good teams and then a lot of bad teams. They play like one or two good teams and then just like a ton of like eight-win teams, which is like kind of scary because I think that those teams can either be really good or really bad or like – you know, and those are the kind of games that you can lose. And if this one-score game regression pans out, like they go two and seven in one-score games this year, and that's that's pretty dangerous. So – but just in general, though, I, I do like what they have building. And from a on-paper standpoint, they look like an awesome team and contender. But like you said, 10.5, I think, I think the market is already more than factoring that in. So I'm kind of just staying away from them in this market. And I, I don't have too much on the prop market either for them. Yeah, also Greedy Williams coming back, uh, Grant Delpit, you know, these guys that they were expecting to get a lot of snaps from defensively last year that missed basically the entire season due to injury. Um, yeah, I also really like that like it's hard not to like Stefanski. Like they, he didn't really force his system. Like there, he's actually running a lot different style of offense than what he was doing in Minnesota, where it was very play action heavy. They didn't run a lot of play action last year. They run a lot of pre-snap motion, but they ran a lot of two tight end sets and basically used it as like basically, you know, max protect. Like they weren't even like running them in routes all the time. They really wanted to keep Baker comfortable even after OBJ went out and they needed to really tighten things up. It was just a lot of like Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and Landry or like Higgins and Landry and just like getting it done with the running game and running behind that offensive line. So you have to love the coach that has the ability to adapt based on what he has and what the defense is giving him. So how about the props? Well, I know, um, you know, we're still on the island alone on, on the other side, waving about OBJ. Uh, his <laughs> prop number is still pretty rich though. 925 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Landry not far behind him either and then uh basically any, any of the others any of the props jump out to you yeah i want i need to look at because remember the there was a three-game stretch where the browns were at home it was against the raiders weather texans and eagle in the month of november where it was 
the unders were free money. I mean, it was, it was actually, I guess it went over in that, that third game against the Eagles, but it was still, the weather was still kind of bad. And I think that's worth watching because looking at this, they don't, uh, let's see, I'm trying to, why, you know what, Browns, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, the, that Raiders game is TBD because it's on a Saturday. It looks like they got the Lions at home, the Steelers at home on Halloween. They don't have a ton of home games in November and December. The Ravens, too. I mean, they're, you know, they're traveling sort of to places, Pittsburgh and Green Bay, um, you know, Baltimore, that might not have good weather either. That's concerning because if you get, like looking at what Baker's over-under, I think was, what was it, 39.50? Yeah. Which is totally gettable. I mean, he ended up with 35.63 last year, and he had, again, three games where he attempted – um, 25, three games in a row, we attempted 25 passes or less. He also attempted 18 passes that game with Pittsburgh beat him up pretty bad. I just think the problem is with these props, Stefanski's going to want to run the ball so much and he's just going to limit the passing attack. If you go and look at Kirk Cousins, the year that Stefanski was the offensive coordinator, you know, Cousins ended up having a really good season, but you know it was the only time since 2015 that he stayed under 4,000 passing yards, and he had played 15 games and had 3,600 passing yards. I mean, there's just not going to be a ton of passing. This is a run-oriented attack. They built the team this way, um, you know, and so that concerns me maybe a little bit more than anything. Taking any of these passing props with the Browns is we talked about outs for these unders. There are some outs for the unders for the Cleveland Browns in that passing game. Yeah, no, great points. Uh, Connor, you said you don't have anything on the board really for the Browns? No, I mean, so we we have Baker projected for 39.50 or for 4,200 yeah. passing yards. Oh, wow. um, and so a little bit over. But then we have OBJ and Landry both projected under their passing yards or their receiving yards. So mm. not really sure who we have projected to catch all the yards. But, uh, you know, it's they're not they're not saying it's that. Austin, what's Austin Hooper to win MVP this year? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> 10,000 to one. Oh, man. Uh, what, what, so Chubb, what is Chubb's over? So is there 1300 uh, or 1350, you know, depending on the book we have projected for like right about that. Uh, I mean, it's, that's we're a little low. We haven't made tw- basically 12 and a quarter. I, I don't think you can take an over under, <laughs> you know, look again, no. I think Chubb might be the best running back in football. He's crazy efficient. He could easily get to 1500 yards. It wouldn't be shocking at all. Sort of depends on how Baltimore and Pittsburgh's run defenses are, but just because again, Kevin Stefanski is going to limit the number of carries that he gets. And if Kareem Hunt is healthy, he's just not going to carry the ball that much. And so I think these props look a little rich for my blood in terms of the numbers. Yeah. Could be a bunch of 16 and 96 and, you know, a score or two in there for Chubb. And uh, yeah. And that gets his team a W, but leaves you a lot of meat on the bone if you're looking for, you know, fantasy or you're chasing a large prop number like 1,300 yards. And, and if, their, if their defense does take a leap forward, as Connor was saying, which I agree, like they added, they they basically took all the Rams good player, the good player, yeah. free agents, and they picked up Clowney. And you have these young corners, Denzel Ward. You know he could have a monster breakout season. Greedy in his second year, if that defense takes a leap forward, that offense is going to be even less productive because they're not going to need to be as productive. Yeah, exactly. All good points. It'd be interesting to see. Hopeful for the Browns that they can uh, have another fun, exciting season. But uh, they are a little rich in the market right now. We'll yeah. move on to the Steelers. Uh, that everyone wants to bury eight and a half is the number they are uh, plus 160 to make the playoffs uh no is minus 220 they are 22 to 1 to win the afc 44 to 1 
on DraftKings to win the Super Bowl. They have the toughest schedule in the league, projecting out based on uh, teams' win totals. The division played last year the uh, AFC West and NFC, or no, this year they play the AFC West, NFC North. The Steelers basically play the class of those divisions on the road, which is really tough, at Kansas City, at the Chargers, at Green Bay, and at Minnesota. That is a bad shake of the schedule for them. Uh, they're present for winning the division last year. They get to open at Buffalo in week one. So not great. Um, schedule is particularly difficult down the stretch. So if they are going to do anything, we'll have a really good sense early. Again, the Steelers are going to have to get off to a really strong start because it is a rough, rough finish of the season at Kansas City, home to Cleveland, at Baltimore uh, the last three weeks. Those – all deciding you know, playoff spots and position, that's going to be a tough, tough draw. Basically, seems like a lifetime ago that they got off to an 11-0 start, Will, but what are your thoughts here on uh, slowly decaying Ben Roethlisberger and a defense that will probably be pretty good again? See, this is I, – I can't – I don't want – I was cussed. Um, this is BS. This is bull, bull crap. <laughs> you can um, cuss. That's all right. No, 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 no. no I can't no, – I don't cuss on my streams. I shouldn't be cussing on yours. Um, the, uh, it, it's, it's a crock. It's what it is. The – I said the Steelers are going to finish last in the division last year, and then they get this luck job 11-win start. I get Steelers fans all over me the entire year, making fun of me, ripping me, old takes out the wazoo. I was, I'm not saying I was right. I was obviously dead wrong. They finished first in the division. But my underlying point was this is coming. Like, this team is not built for the long haul. They have a new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, who, by the way, for fantasy purposes, did you know that – I don't know. I've never even heard – I've never seen this happen before. Matt Canada coached two of his running backs at two different schools where he was an offensive coordinator for him. Jalen Samuels at NC State. Go Wolfpack. Shut up, Pack. And uh, Anthony McFarland at Maryland. He coached both of those guys. Interesting. Wow. So if you're thinking about maybe, like, usage, you know, Benny Snell is number two on the depth chart, right? And um, you know, Balaj is there too, but he knows the other two guys and, and has coached them before. So you sort of wonder how that plays in. You know who who ends up getting the snaps behind Najee Harris. Um, they you know they go out and you, again they drafted a running back in the first round, which is just insane. Like they, haven't, they haven't done it since Rashard Mendenhall. Done it three times in the freaking illustrious history of the Steelers. Um, they did draft two 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 offensive linemen later in the draft, but they get Pat Fryermuth uh, in the second round. Steelers fans will tell you that the offensive line is improved. I don't know why they think that. <laughs> um, uh, Chucks, I think they call him, o- Okafor, or Oka, uh, Okorafor, excuse me, Chucks Okorafor. He is, uh, Brian Diardo was saying this on, my, on, my, on the Pick 6 podcast over at CBS with me for Thursday's edition. Uh, and, uh, Villanueva had started at, like basically every game since 2015 or something like that. I mean, this is the first time Ben's going to have a new left tackle in there, uh, you know, basically in, in, in five or six years, which is wild. Uh, Villanueva took over Beecham and just never looked back. So he's in there. There's a Trey Turner's new, you know, you got two rookies who are going to be depth on there. Uh, you love their wide receivers and I love Najee, but I don't like using a first round pick on him. I think losing uh, Bud Dupree is sort of an underrated uh, problem for their pass rush. The defense should probably be good. I don't want to be the guy, you know, I I just, I don't like the idea that everybody's fading him now because Mike Tomlin doesn't finish under 500. But if I was taking anything, I'm definitely taking, I think I'm taking the under 
Um, but I, you know, I wouldn't. The playoff odds minus two twenty to miss the playoffs is wild. Steelers plus one sixty to make the playoffs is pretty good value. Frankly, winning the conference at twenty two to one is probably decent value. But I, I don't like the Steelers. It's right. sort of the uh, complete opposite of the Browns, basically. Like right. I'm mad that everybody is on the fade because I wanted to be on the fade. But the numbers have already been skewed by the market. There's not a like. I, I'm not going to put a bunch of money on the Steelers to be awful when really they only have to be mediocre to beat these numbers. No, it's a good it's a good point. Yeah, it mixed in there, right? So we had 11 and 0 start. They barely beat Jeff Driscoll at home. <laughs> um, it, they needed like a miracle to beat Garrett Gilbert. <laughs> it was like what the fourth quarterback that Dallas had rolled out, right? So they almost recovered every single one of their offensive fumbles last year. I think there was right? 16 of 19 they recovered. Wow. That's that's not sticky, folks. Like if you're <laughs> if you're trying to think about what's projectable and what's going to happen next year, recovering a ton of your own offensive fumbles is not going to happen. So an impressive feat, nonetheless. But uh, Connor, what are your thoughts on the Steelers? Are they uh, buried as well? Yeah, I, the, the biggest issue for me. So last year, second in EPA defensively, um, and obviously some of that was schedule fueled. Um, you know, some of it was because of the quarterbacks they played, but. I mean, they only lost, they lost Bud Dupree, they lost Mike Hilton and Steven Nelson. So, you know, like, is this defense going to go from second to like 25th? Probably not. Probably like you're looking at second to like in that 10 to 15 range. Um, the biggest issue is the offense, like you guys mentioned, uh, with, you know, the offensive line just terrible at this point. And Big Ben showed major, major signs of decline, you know, especially down the stretch. Um, and, you know, no Steelers fans, Najee Harris will not fix the running game. That's not how this works. Um, but I think what's funny is I think that, you know, Matt Canada might be fired if they don't give Najee Harris the ball like 20 times in a game. Um, and he might not for the first game, but I'm sure that they will sit sit him down, you know, and say, look, this is how this works. And you're going to feed him the ball because that's how we think the running game is going to get fixed. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see how that whole plays out and that whole dynamic. But I think Harris is going to see tons of work. I'm just not exactly sure how far he's going to go, at least getting the ball from behind the line, line of scrimmage. There's a prop on him, though, that's like 44 catches, I think. So I, I like the over on that. Uh, in a 17 game season. Um, but again, the issue is, like you said, you know, like what if he isn't using them in the passing game as much? Or like, I, I would be surprised if that isn't the case. But, you know, uh, I mean, it's a little scary on the on the season long aspect. I'll probably just look for that like in season kind of uh, to hit on like over on his receptions on that if he's playing a big role in the passing game. Uh, overall, on, the, on the, some of the other props, though, Claypool is a guy that uh, we're all projecting to take a big leap forward, um, but our projections only have an 871. He's super volatile. He's a guy who I think that could end up like coming top five in the league in receiving yards, but could also just not take a step forward or Ben's arm just doesn't cooperate and could really just do absolutely nothing. Uh, so for me, the binary prop market, like the yes, no, minus 110 both ways, that's not really how I'm attacking Claypool, but I think he's a great pick in like fantasy tournaments, like underdogs, stuff like that. It's a guy that could totally blow up. Um, uh, so yeah, for him, Deontay Johnson, not a whole lot there for me. I think that he was the target hog at times, but, um, I'm not really fully in on him or his, Juju his at drop, this point. His drops are a big problem. Like he's, yeah. he's if he, um, he stay on the field either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he, if he can't fix those drops, it's just not, he's not going to be the guy who develops into number one. So it's, that's something I think to watch for in the preseason. What's that rapport looking like? How's Johnson looking? If he's still dropping in the preseason, then uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, Pun intended, I guess. I'm, I'm dropping him down my rankings um, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I, I get the Harris thing, but I, I think that they're going to give him, like you said, I think they're going to give him the ball. And as bad as it was last year, like they had 1,350 rushing yards as a team last year. They had 
about 25 carries fewer than they did the year prior. Basically, you know, matches the fact that we thought they abandoned the run, right? They basically used Deontay as a replacement of the running game because they just ran these really quick little outs and slants and mesh concepts to get the ball out of Ben's hands and, you know, hide the offensive line. But even if they replicate that, you're basically going to need a really poor out, uh, you know, out performance here from Harris at a 70% carry mark. If he just replicates that, he'll be able to top his prop number on the ground. I think he's kind of pigeonholed for a 70% share, which is pretty high. Not a lot of guys do that nowadays, but again, you better do it if you spend a first round pick on a guy that you think is a difference maker that can help offset your problems in the offensive line. You know, Will brings up a good point. There's numerous guys behind them. They all have gotten a taste before and haven't really done anything with it. So um, I think Harris is, uh, the lines moved up. I got it earlier the season when it first popped out at 949. I took the over. Um, it's up to almost a thousand now, like I think nine eighty or something like that. That's a little. We're getting a little close. Again, I want to lean unders whenever possible. But again, I think they're going to try to validate that draft pick by feeding him 75 percent of the carries. He should end up with in a seventeen game season. He should end up with a thousand yards. Uh, by the way, the one other thing, and this is I don't. So in two thousand fifteen, Ben. So to, Ben is thrown for. He has attempted six hundred passes three times in his career. Um, 2014, and then the next year he sprained his MCL. So I don't, I don't know how much we counted that, but he, you know, he didn't miss four games. Uh, he threw 675 times in 2018, which is friggin' preposterous. Yeah. Uh, and then his arm fell off in the second week against the Seahawks the, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then last year he threw 608 times. And I know they weren't all you know high strain targets because a lot of them were short yardage and all of that. But it you know you're 39 and. 600 pass attempts is a lot. If you go back and look at quarterbacks who threw 600 times in a season, you know, the, there, there's some tangential or not, uh, anecdotal evidence, I guess would be the phrase you want to use, where the, the wear and tear catches up to him a little bit uh, in certain cases. That's, I mean, because if Ben gets hurt, if Ben is out, I mean, is it Dwayne Haskins or, you know, Mason Rudolph? If, then the under is a lock if that happens, I feel like. Yeah, that would be such a tough scene. Yes, it would. Well, unless you were, you know, looking to dance in the grave of Steelers fans. <laughs> I mean, kind of am, to be honest. I am not a Steelers fan. I, not me either. No. Yeah. I have one near and dear in my life, but uh, I'm okay with him taking an L for, you know, missing the playoffs for the first time in a while. They've had a nice little run. So, yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, coming, coming from a Patriots fan, that's rich, Noonan. Well, <laughs> I, I like. I want to go to Pittsburgh. I've never been there. I'll go. Uh, I'll go when they uh, build the Tom Brady statue outside of Foxborough West, which is what uh, <laughs> basically what I've called Three Rivers for the last twenty years. Oh, I, mean, I mean, you know, if we're being honest, like, well, wait, 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 do you really need to put French fries in your sandwiches? I don't think so. No, <laughs> I've had the sandwich. Not that good. No one likes coleslaw. Not that good. For Manny Brothers, nothing is fine. It's not fine. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like it's probably good if you're. Like 10, 10 miles deep in like a steel mine, and you know you haven't eaten in six hours. Yeah, I'm sure that's good. You fries, yeah. yeah. But like if you're just sitting out of the table looking for a dank sandwich, it's not that good. You know? Yeah, you don't want to taste the like mingling that you just drank. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's absolute piss. Too. Trash, trash <laughs> here. So I mean, I'm just gonna get destroyed. Just lost all of our Steelers followers <laughs> and people unsubscribing. Instantly. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, we will move on to the Bengals to wrap up the division here. Six and a half wins is the number everywhere. Um, you can get them 
Uh, minus 230 to not make the playoffs, plus 270 to make the playoffs. If you are very optimistic here, they are 80 to 1 to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, 150 to 1 to win the entire thing. Um, pretty tough draw schedule wise for the Bengals. Their extra game that comes from uh, the NFC West this year is a home game against the Niners in week 14. After that, their final four are at Denver. That's the Baltimore. AC Cleveland uh, mix, basically that the Pittsburgh Steelers gets just in a different order to end their season. That's pretty, pretty tough. Um, they do have a stretch of three straight road games as well in weeks six through eight. Not a lot of teams have three straight road games this season, uh, though it is Denver, Baltimore, and the Jets. So maybe they can sneak out some wins in there. But then they have a run of three straight home games, and each of those is the second leg of the back-to-back for their opponent, which is really unique. All three of those weeks in a row, they play home. That is the second leg for their opponents, Pittsburgh, the Chargers, and the Niners. So I like to look at those little scheduling quirks, and the Bengals have a bunch of them. So, um, Will, early returns on – Were you tweeting those out? I did, yeah. Okay, yeah, I thought you were. Yeah, those are yeah. good threat. Those are good threat. Yeah, it helps if you're betting win totals, you're trying to find stuff, and you're trying to you know, uh, try to build and do the gymnastics mentally of, of win totals and things late in the season. Some of those things help. So there could be some hidden wins in there. Or losses too. So uh, Zach Taylor, not Sean McVay, it turns out. No, no, he did. He did have a uh, Manny Brothers sandwich with him one time. <laughs> sure, sure he did. A cup of coffee or something. Did not get invited to the draft house. They wanted to make sure he moved on before his sons. <laughs> I uh, I really want to like the Bengals. There are obvious red flags about them that make you want to stay away from it. You know, we have six and a half wins. That seems fairly. Um, I'm not Benjamin Albright. Have I been Benjamin Albright? No. Uh, that's right, it's fine. Did that change? Have I been that the whole it did. time? You, you are suddenly Benjamin Albright. Okay, I was like, I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, if I've been there, I didn't realize that the entire time. You've been punked. Uh, ah! <laughs> Inception. Um, so I just looked down and I didn't realize it. Um, so I think that there is a chance for some value here on Cincinnati with the way that training camp is going so far, because I, I'm, I am certain that anybody watching this or, and, and I know that you guys saw it, Paul Dino jr. Uh, does a great, a uh, good friend of mine who does a great job covering uh, the Bengals for the athletic was like, man, look, I'm not trying. I mean, you don't see too many negative things um, about second year quarterbacks a training camp, right? You know, it's usually pretty glowing. Like Tua, Tua. I mean, Tua is incredible right now, right? Um, yeah. Just ask Connery; he'll tell you all about it. Yeah, the drum beat is deafening right now. It's just you know, all yeah. everywhere. I saw, I saw that Tua was down like thirty to one at this for MVP somewhere. Like, what are we? What are we doing? That's uh, wild. I know it's crazy. Uh, at any rate, Joe Burrow. Paul Dander Jr. wrote, was like, look, Burrow looks like crap. He looked tentative. The defense is penetrating, uh, you know, this offensive line every time. People are melting down, like, ah, you should have taken Panay Sewell. Like, he would have called everything <laughs> playing right guard for him because that's where he's going to play because Riley Reef isn't kicking inside, and they drafted Jonah Williams in the first round. He's their left tackle. Um, I think there is a chance that this will cause Burrow's prop numbers to maybe drift down a little bit and make that kind of exploitable. I also think there's a decent chance that the defense is maybe better than people think. I mean, DJ Reader, uh, Larry O, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Harbour, that's not a terrible defensive line. And, you know, they have some players in the secondary. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's going to be a good defense. I really don't think it is. Well, Jesse Bates is a stud, undeniable. Like if he's yeah. on the Cowboys, he's on, you know, commercials and stuff. Right. 
Yeah, he's an all-pro every single year. No, that's a yeah. great point. Yeah, if he's if he's not on the terrible Bengals, um, and if the offensive line, which again is you know they're trying to sort of figure this thing out, if they can kind of come together, and Zach Taylor can design some stuff to get it out of Joe Burrow's hands fast. I mean, they're loaded at receiver. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd is an incredible trio. I'm still high on Joe Mixon. I don't, I don't understand why people are just completely off of him. I thought he looks really svelte in these training camp pictures and, and potentially ready to explode if he's a, uh, if he's their bell cow. It, you know, if Burrow's healthy, he's going to throw, he's going to chase for 5,000 yards in a 17 game season if he plays the whole season, I think. And just based on how the Bengals, the Bengals will be trailing, they have these weapons. I think they'll be careful because they don't want him to get hurt again. Uh, but you know, if this number drifts closer to 4,000, I think it is a smash over for him. And I would lean towards the over on their win total. Um, you know, they, they just have some of these coin flip games where, you know, Jacksonville at home in week four at Detroit in week six, you know, at the, excuse me, at the Jets in week eight. Like if you don't win those games, it's, it's going to be an under and Zach Taylor's fired mid season. So it's, those are a little tricky and, I think maybe the buying point here might be on Burrow or on maybe Jamar Chase overs or something like that. Yeah, that's the tough part. Like the Jets game on the schedule, if you're buying the over, they got to win that game. That's a third of a back-to-back. There's like like three must-win games on the schedule if you want to get to seven. Yeah, that's that's tough. He said wins. Six wins. Yeah, six. Fantasy gold and and over gold on the prop because like they were – pass like massively pass heavy especially yes. early downs neutral situations like they just chucked it they run 11 and 12 personnel more than basically anyone in the league so like adding a third receiver which you might think is not necessarily like that's a starter for them he's playing 90 95 of the snaps oh yeah so like that's a that's a massive addition so i'm, I'm with you paid off the field Jamar Chase on the field, basically. Right. There's like binary mentality that you can't address the offensive line anywhere else other than just taking Penny Sewell. You you, like that was the only option and you didn't do it, so you ignored it. And it's like no way. Does Dagle think like uh (laughs) like uh or like Orlando Pace would suck now? (laughs) Probably. I did ask about John Hanna, so maybe I went too far back. Somebody needs to find Jonathan Ogden and make Dagle go stand next to him and be like, Do you think this guy will suck? In 2021. Silva asked, asked, about, asked about Anthony Munoz. Yeah. Ironically. Yeah, we're on the Bengals. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, 2021, Anthony Munoz. Anthony Munoz in his current, you know, like Anthony Munoz right now, like you put, plugged him in there and he's, he's the, the Bengals offensive line is immediately better. Yeah. He's, he's even though his fingers are going like this way, and uh, he's still dead. He's not dead. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's dead. Right? <laughs> yeah, and that, and the course of Anthony Munoz might improve the offensive line. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've been off Twitter for 50 minutes. I don't know. He could have, someone could have. <laughs> I'm with you. Mixon too. Like he's like, there's nothing behind him. So like there's stuff there that could be, you know, very good. I know, again, we talked about unders more times than not, but again, maybe fantasy is the best place to attack that, but yeah. it's hard not to think that he is going to have a projectable three down role in geo now in Tampa. Like there is a lot to like here. There are some nice pieces defensively. Again, they, they can maybe beat up on the Steelers. Like that's a win the last few years, even with these good Steelers, like Steelers go to Cincy, like, even they did it last year. Like that's a really tough game. Good Ryan for, Finley, right? So I'm with you, Daigle. Do you have any? Uh, or Daigle is. I saw Daigle is here, ready to defend himself. <laughs> Day, um, Daigle, 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 and Ben Albright here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we bring Daigle in, do you have any thoughts on props here for the uh, Bengals? 
Oh, God. I, the props. Uh, the Burrow over, we have 4,755 passing yards. So I like that. Uh, like you said, if it gets pushed down at all, it opened at like 4,000. So it's at 4,200 now. I'll take the over on that either way. Uh, Bengals 1-5 in one-score games last year. And the defense, like you said, 26 in EPA. Uh, but they made a few additions. So I think they're probably going to be around like league average. We have some you know smart friends who were projecting them to be around there. And I think that that's probably about right. Um, but overall, I still think they're going to be in plenty of high-scoring games. Still going to pass a lot. They led the league in. Uh, or we're around, I think it was like 70% in 11 personnel. So they're going to have Boyd, Higgins, and Chase on the field pretty much all the time. Uh, so there's no worries there about Boyd getting phased out. I do like Boyd over on receptions potentially. Even with Chase there, I think that he's still going to eat in the middle of the field with both Chase and Higgins actually freeing up more space for him. There were plenty of times last year where I felt like Boyd was kind of uh, you know a little too covered and he, he wasn't able to sit in between the zones because the only other option there was dusty AJ green and an emerging uh, Higgins, which, you know, didn't take place until later in the season. So I think the Boyd is still going to have a great season and that he's going to be like kind of the safety blanket for burrow, just kind of sitting in between zones. If you know, chase isn't always open and then mix that in with Higgins. So I'm, I'm expecting big things. Like you guys said, I'm not too worried about their reports yet. You know, obviously if this continues and into the preseason, you know, we probably should take notice a little bit, but right now I, I'm not worried about it at all. To tie into that, his burrow last year, his expected um, completion percentage, it was the 32nd out of 41 uh, quarterbacks that qualified. But his completion percentage above expectation was sixth best. So like the accuracy cool. translated from LSU, part of it was just design, lack of separation, all of those things. So like it, it, I know we're getting some news today on like, you know, the end of Joe Burrow, but like <laughs> pump the brakes. It, I think it, you're- it's a good when this is happening in training camp, it's a good by low time. Uh, the one thing that does concern me about Burrow is, and I, you know, and this dates back, this is, you, it's just sort of his attitude. He's got a little Carson Wentz to him in that he doesn't want to let a play die and, and seems to want to extend it at the, at the expense of his own personal health, which is, a, that's a little concerning for a guy who's, you know, wearing a brace and coming off an ACL tear. And, and look, he's, he's back fairly, you know, he played what, 11 games last year. He's back pretty quickly from this ACL tear. It's, he should not. Sure. Step on the field and be immediately a hundred percent. That would be a weird thing if that happened. Yeah, yeah. It was. What is he, uh, Ladini Tomlinson? Yeah, like, seriously, right? unbelievable. All right, Sal, bring him in before we wrap it up here. You're supposed to uh, <laughs> just bring me on quietly and then allow me and Will to yell at each other. <laughs> well, uh, I attempted go. to bring you on quietly. But, I, I think this, know, I think you got three people you got to yell at if you want to. Sure. I mean, to be, be fair, like I thought this, like a lot of my process, I thought I was naturally uh, just agreeing with everyone and doing my research, and it turns out I'm naturally contrarian, and this is apparently <laughs> the worst take ever. What's funny though, this this is the part that no one knows is that uh, you were already irked at the take that Marshall Falk would get cut. For, wouldn't make his JV team or that LT would get cut in training <laughs> camp. Um, but like the fact today we were talking about, we have a little football group chat going on and uh, I stopped you down when you were talking about JK Dobbins outlook. And I said that Gus Edwards is awesome. And that's what really threw you off. You were like, wait a second. You cannot have these takes, but also these takes of like poor man's Nick Chubb in 2021 is awesome. Like, how do you get there? Um, so yeah, the I have gone back. I've watched the film. Uh, you had mentioned, like, did he not have eyes this time? I was actually playing fantasy at this time. I'm only only 33, but I still feel like I have an old soul. And so uh, that's why Newton and I get along so well. But I have gone back. I have watched the tape. And even then, like, LT, I, I've come around. Marshall Falk, though, 
I don't think I can get there. I think the stats are still vehemently skewed towards like horrible defense. Um, maybe you could put him out there today, and he's Duke Johnson. Like maybe he's like a third oh, down back. No. But, but but just that ninety percent of the league's linebackers were uh, ran six seven forties and wore neck pads and couldn't go <laughs> lateral at all. Like neck that, that spin move, that patent spin move that all the film highlights had on there. Uh, like it took three seconds for him to spin one way and three seconds to spin another way. It's like I can't get behind this guy in today's NFL. And uh, I apologize to everyone because I tried. So- is your assertion then that, and I'm and I'm legitimately curious about this. Is your assertion then that Ray Lewis would suck in the modern NFL? I don't think Ray Lewis. Uh, I think I draw the line at Brian Urlacher. Uh, I don't think he offers much in today's NFL. He'd just be <laughs> like Jalen Smith. Um, but Ray Lewis, no, I, I won't get there. Lawrence okay. Taylor. Lawrence Taylor was actually like. We were we were like three or four bottles of wine in. That was yeah, a yeah. hot take, and <laughs> I, and like I may be right. By the way, like I don't, I, I actually don't know. Maybe you could help me with that about LT. Like maybe he would be extremely impactful. Yeah, maybe he just okay. Okay, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Like if he lined up, like all of a sudden against you had mentioned Jonathan Ogden, but I don't know. Uh, today's premier left tackle. Let's just say uh, Trent Williams. Like would LT dominate Trent Williams? Because Trent Williams is a a big old boy who's like elite at his position. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I mean, LT was like 6'3", and ran like a 4-2-40, like fueled by no, nothing but crack cocaine. Right? <laughs> okay. he, is, he is crunking up any left tackle ever. I mean, they, the, the whole... The whole blindside concept was invented because of <laughs> to block him. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, like that's that's the whole thing. Is like we're gonna get this guy after the quarterback. He he broke Joe Theismann's leg, like on a tackle. Yes, and I broke I, his I, leg. I remember that. Uh, I didn't come into full football conscious every day watching until like John Elway year. So I'm still like a behind in some. But you know, you see the grainy uh, 480p film and you watch it that way. But oh, but yeah, so that's why I don't have a take on LT. But like when we start talking about Priest Holmes or uh, uh, Curtis Martin, you're not – I cannot get there. Like you're just not selling me on the idea those guys would matter in 2021. Uh, well, I, I would say, by the way, LT actually ran a four five three forty. It's six three two forty. Like that dude is wrecking shot okay. in in twenty twenty one. And I, and I know you, I know you didn't really mean LT. The I think that some of the stuff you know, we met Jerome Bettis. We pointed out too is like Jerome Bettis is no. not going to be like he he could run. Like he's going to be a running back, but he is not going to be one of the premier running backs in professional football at his at his dimensions in twenty twenty one. I also think it's worth noting that. So, like, if you bring Marshall Falk to 2021, is yeah. Marshall Falk given the extra benefit of, like, 2021 nutrition? Or does he have to operate in 2001 where he's, like, the only thing you do is just, like, bang out bench press reps, you know? Or does he get to, does he get to do yoga without being, you know? Like they were chain-smoking cigs on the sideline in 2001, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, yeah. man. <laughs> that's why Marshall Falk was just running circles around them. Uh, yeah, I'll give him the benefit because that's all it comes down to, right? Now, like, Devin White can run sideline to sideline in two seconds because of nutrition and, like, they're raised from 12-years-old athletes to just do nothing but keep sugar out of their bodies and take protein like that's it uh 
Uh, so yeah, I'll do that. And and you know what? At that size, at that speed, like we know combine measurables. Like if someone was a four six, you have to then look and oh, is he two forty? That's pretty damn good then. Like this yeah. is a fast dude. Uh, so that that makes a little sense. And like I said, I've caved in on LT a little bit, but Marshall Falk, I I genuinely still think he's a product. You made a good point what? earlier on the show and mentioning that in a four three five, and he still yeah. led the, and he still led the league in receptions, I believe, uh, at his position and back to back years with two teams. Correct, the Colts and the Rams. Yes. I just, I also wonder, like, uh, this is very ignorant, but serious question. Like, with, with the greatest show of turf average, like, three yards per play in 2021, oh like, were they actually the greatest show of turf, or were they greatest show in, like, 2005? So they matter. I mean, Tory Holt had more receiving yards in the first nine seasons of his career than anyone but Jerry Rice. So we actually got Daigle to admit that Tory Holt might matter. Yeah, yeah and, it might. Yeah. Tory Holt was one of the guys and that Isaac came Bruce. Up. I said Isaac Bruce might matter as well. Uh, I mean, Isaac the greatest show on turf would be a would be the, the 2001 Rams. Mm-hmm. I guess the 2000, 2000 and 2001 Rams would would hang with the Chiefs. Hundred percent. Interesting. Oh, there we go. That's a that's that might be a hot take in itself. I would uh, I would like to play that out. I'd like to play uh, CFL Kurt Warner himself. Was it CFL or was it Arena? Arena. Here's your Arena. Arena. Here's your oh, European. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, when we had NFL Euro. Which, how long did that even last? I remember playing Madden like in 01 whenever Marshall Falk was on the cover. Yeah. And uh, you could actually like create an expansion team from the NFL Euros, but I don't recall it lasting like that long. He was, uh, he was full-time at Wegmans and NFL Europe, I believe. It's, it's, See, uh, this is why I also love this conversation because if there's anyone to talk about just an actually dumb conversation that we're never going to figure out anyways, it's you, Will. Like, yeah, you, are, you, you love the, the context and the conjecture of football. That is, that is, this is my entire existence is non conversations <laughs> with, with no real answers that, uh, you know, yeah, that's but, what I'm, but yeah, I mean, that, that's really where the, uh, perhaps ignorant, but argument nonetheless comes down to, well, uh, dude, not- I want to acknowledge your, your growth here, right? So you've, this since is massive gone, growth. you've since gone back and tried to do a little bit of research. <laughs> you didn't hold the line per se, you know? So I want to acknowledge that you've, you've grown in your take a little bit. So and, I, you, I and you also know that. it's bad when like everyone who has heard this take, like Silva included, always starts with Daigle. I appreciate your uh, – no, I respect your opinion. But because <laughs> yeah, yeah. the butt is always that you're the yeah. dumbest person. Like this is the worst take you have ever had. As you said, uh, the worst take of the century. Well, that's what he, he was pointing out. He's like, he's like, look, we all think that Daigle is a good football – like, no, it's like, 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 we want to qualify. Before we insult this – before we bury this guy, we want to – we think he's a smart football guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that – like, what do you think the Buccaneers, the team that won the Super Bowl with – so what do you – like, the Ravens in 2000 that won the Super Bowl or the Buccaneers that won the Super Bowl. I mean, those defenses were freaking awesome. Yes. I mean, they were also playing Kerry Collins, but yes. – They were playing the greatest show on turf. But, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and you know, they beat uh, the uh, Eddie George, who's another one of Daigle's – you know, disbanders. Here. Oh, do you do not try to sell me on Eddie George? No, no, I'm not do selling not. Me on Eddie George. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm making the case that, uh, you know, they're the holes in the resume are uh, ones you've already poked. Who was the Super Bowl Ravens running back? Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, so all I, I, mean, was, I mean, he went to prison. 
Like, yeah. All I remember about him is that, like, uh, he year out fine. Like, like, nothing happened to him in prison. He was, the, he's a big man. He was okay. Like, you know, like, how was prison? It was fine. Like, what, yeah. we don't we don't know the measurables for that. Like, how much bigger he was out of prison? Uh, all I remember about Jamal Williams, actually, besides the prison, was the fact that uh, the year he reset the market or set the record for rushing, like he had like 450 yards against the Browns alone that year. Correct. Like the Browns were basically the Antonio Gibson of the Cowboys. Like they I, just could not stop him at all. I had I had Jamal Lewis on my I, I won the ta- a title that year. I had Jamal Lewis on my fantasy team along with I think it was like Matt Hasselback, Corin yep. Robinson, and is that oh the- you were stacking back then too? Alex- there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean Alexander. Who else Sean, was on that I, one? I had Sean Alexander, Jamal Lewis, Hasselback, and Cor- K. Rob. And I mean, I I destroyed the league that year. Uh, Sean Alexander, sweet stiff arm, but wouldn't matter in 2021 either. Same for Larry Johnson, who they just put on like 400 carries on because they had no one else to do. And so then, you, of course, like the Peyton Manning Super Bowl. Up too? I mean, that's just that's rude. <laughs> also, uh, very quickly to bring this back to the to the show. Great show, by the way, guys. Okay. Uh, I do. Does anyone have a take? Maybe I'm the one with the take because I am starting to get worried about my Lamar MVP 70 to one tickets. And then also just buying in on Lamar and fantasy as the QB two overall. Because 17. I'm sorry. 17. Oh, oh. Um, oh, he said 70. I was like, where are you getting? But I'm, I'm starting to worry because like the Wait, anti- I'll your hands for whatever. You want. <laughs> the, uh, the anti-vax narrative is real. Like uh, there is like, even if you get on Reddit Ravens, Reddit this morning, uh, they were posting that Lamar had actually put something on Instagram, like sharing anti-vax propaganda, but then took it down within 20 minutes. Cause obviously his mentions began to burn overnight, but like, He's not vaxxed, thus he misses ten days. If he in like for if he gets caught on a Saturday test positive, he's out two games essentially. Like that's so worrisome for all our futures, including like Ravens divisions, Lamar MVP. Because right now the discount on the Ravens, like Will was talking about the regression earlier, we are buying into that regression because we're getting a discount on his players. But like if Lamar has no intention, he very clearly has no intention to get vaccinated. Like this is worrisome. Uh, same goes for the Vikings too. Like. You know, yeah. if you're thinking about investing in Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, I mean, even Dalvin Cook, because, you know, if, if Kirk Cousins, I mean, I feel like Kirk, I mean, Kirk Cousins did say, if I die, I die. I he mean, did. He's not vaccinated, right? I mean, he stayed at his ground, yeah. And, and Zimmer is yeah. obviously like, that. it's the funniest. It, well, it shouldn't be funny, but like, I mean, Zimmer is just so pissed at him, dude. He's just like, what do I have to do? He hated, him, he hated him before. And now he's just like, are you kidding me? Like, I like. <laughs> And, and Kellen Mond, like, I would hope Kellen Mond learns from the situation and uh, gets vaccinated, but also he isn't either. And so, like, this entire quarterback room has led them to sign someone who I feel like still doesn't exist in Case Cookus. Like, uh, we just don't know who these people are, and we don't know what's going to happen if they're forced to put Jake Browning under center. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's hard. It's hard to work on that because it's like we have to know it now, but we don't necessarily know it. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that we have ideas of certain guys and certain guys we you know the, I mean, the bills the bills are concerning you know like yeah, sure. the the bills the ravens and the vikings I, I think are the three teams that have me a little bit worried where you know if i were investing in any of those teams I, like i said i love the bills over and i like the ravens over a lot too mm-hmm. um you know you're you've, you've got to win 12 games or 11, 11 or 12 games and there's a decent chance that lamar plays for you know 15 of them yeah, thirteen of them. You know, because you can get 
we, we, I mean, what is it? In the last 24 hours, it's been like Delta Plus and then Delta Comfort and, you know, <laughs> like whatever else. My, my airline upgrades, you know, they're yeah, all coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's also hard to assess I because experience. like because live, like on the spot, uh, Ryan Tannehill did go get vaccinated with the new incentives, the new pressures. So like he, said, he said, I didn't want, he's like, this is not something I wanted to do. Right. But I'm doing it because I don't want to cost my team games because we think exactly we to win. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. The, the fact that the uh, NFL will also hold out the other team's checks. Like if you're the one who has to forfeit because of a breakout, like that's huge because then you clearly have consequences for everyone else, and you're responsible for everyone else too. And yet here we are with stubborn Kirk Cousins and Lamar Jackson. It's just uh, it's something like I'm trying to like slowly bake into my process. The closer we get to week one, yep. and they remain stubborn because it just seems like we have to at least discuss it. Okay. Well, it, What's the what's the testing policy on NFL? Is it still every like multiple times a week for everyone, even if you are vaccinated or no? No, the uh, well, the testing policy in general, if you're if you're positive and you are vaccinated, you can come back in 48 hours. Uh, two negative tests, two back to back tests, and 24 hours. So that's why a lot of players it could because you know everyone HIPAA everyone loves to just shout it from the rooftop <laughs> like Michael Scott screaming bankruptcy like they're asked a question anything in the media they just scream HIPAA and run HIPAA, off the stage that's not what HIPAA is by the way <laughs> it's not what HIPAA is it's, it's not even close but no, it doesn't matter HIPAA, like HIPAA prevents doctors from giving out your medical information you can't be like somebody's like hey are you sick you're like hip hop like, <laughs> when this when this martial fault take goes public i'm just gonna i'm just gonna tweet hippo that's all i'm gonna do uh, <laughs> so here are the protocols for the training camp and the preseason i would i think that they're i mean it's not fully vaxxed you get tested every day you have to wear masks mm-hmm. everywhere and if you're wow. fully vaxxed no daily testing um i think you just get tested if you have interactions i believe i'm trying to see where the uh, yeah i mean and they had talked about i think jonathan jones reported the nflpa was pushing for daily testing for everybody um uh, he wrote something about it on cbs sports but um there was a call with alan sills the medical doctor he's like no we're not you know we're not going to go back to that so unvaccinated people are going to get tested every day, which means it could be Friday afternoon and Josh Allen or Kirk Cousins or who, Lamar Jackson, you know, our hypothetically unvac- unvaxed guys get, t- get t- tested and test positive, And then you're out for five to 10 days. Yeah. There's no, no, there's no, uh, Oh, it's you 10 days automatically. Like oh, that's the days. issue. Exactly, yeah. It's like a, a, at least 10 days, no matter what. It's two uh, weeks. That's two it's two games. It's crazy. Um, and and also like it's just weird. Like you have to be truly stubborn to be bought in here uh, into this theme because like Cole Beasley isn't even eating lunch with his teammates. Like you have to sit at different tables. Like you are literally just being isolated at every point, workouts and everything, different times in the gym. Like you truly have to believe in this to whatever your theories are to uh, still not be vaccinated in the NFL, a private company at this moment. And you can tell too. So, like, if you are fully vaccinated, you do not have to quarantine after a high risk exposure. If you are mm-hmm. not fully vaxxed, you have to quarantine after any sort of high risk exposure. Which means, um, who, who is it? Kellen Mond who got COVID. Yes, I think Kellen Mond gets COVID, and so therefore Kirk Cousins is a high risk exposure. He has to if he's not if he's not vaccinated, he just goes right back to practice. It takes a test, make sure you're not positive, but you're right back at practice with the vax. I mean, it's, you know, it's a problem. And, and those players don't even get to travel. That, so in the season, that's an issue because you're not even like a team hotels, like waiting for that 10th day. You're just not on the road at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it is concerning for sure for win totals and, mm-hmm. and betting on, on, the, on the season. 
Anyways, though, that, those are uh, my takes. I will get out of here and let y'all close <laughs> out y'all show. We can't, we can't bet uh, Bryson DeChambeau outrights anymore either. Oh, uh, Will. Will. Good, good. I hate DeChambeau. Bryson. <laughs> so, we need another argument. Daigle is this, the biggest DeChambeau uh, you know, crony I've ever met in my I life. Really? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Bryson homer. Well, until today, until I, found, until I saw what he said about the vaccine. Now I'm, I'm really worried about my boy. Like, that's what, I mean, obviously he's full of crap. But like yeah. that's what these that's what these NFL players need to be doing. They'd be like, I'm I want to save it for the children. <laughs> he literally he literally <laughs> said he's, he literally said he's just too healthy for society. He was like, No, I'm in the best shape of my life. Like I'm gonna be fine. It's like, no, Bryson, you donkey. Like, By the way, if you're if you're trying to bet golf starting tomorrow, uh, Bryson said he lost ten pounds and five miles per hour on his swing speed. So fade Bryson. That's why Ooh, really that's why he, yeah, that's why he's a huge dog in the in the head to head markets against not that I'm a golf degenerate. Are we all on uh Brooks and Morikawa? Uh I am on Brooks was the favorite, so I understand not betting the favorite. No, Brooks withdrew from the program too. Yeah, he says he's gonna be there. She's he should be fine. Yeah, but yeah. he uh he wasn't involved in media stuff today and yeah. Oh, I did I didn't know this. Well I have to I have a lot of lineup changing to do. Okay. Yep. See, who, I uh I am on um I put together a lineup last night. I, I got Morikawa, I got a Scheffler outright. Um yeah, my, Scheffler, my, Scheffler's my guy. I got my cheapies yeah, since right. this is suddenly becoming a four four golf show. Uh I got Stuart Sink and Cam Davis in the lineup. <laughs> uh KH Lee, sixty four hundred dollars. I got a KH Lee in there. Gotta get some cash. You know there. who? Sean Corollary, of course, to the uh, AT&T Byron Nelson, where he won already this year, and he's played well. So that's one of the best Corollary courses. So I hate this guy with every fiber of my being because of how much money he cost me at the Wyndham last year. But Jim Herman's gained strokes on approach to this last. Like <laughs> he's he's stone cold man on DraftKings. So just interesting food for thought. Uh, let's see. I, went, on, I put together a lineup last night. I was going to say this is a lot of Paul Casey too. Oh oh, you know I like this. I like Webb this week. I was uh, my Pat popping in our model at four for four. He's, so my, uh, no, I, I don't I don't have my I, I actually didn't do a model. I usually do a model, but I didn't do one for this uh, for these TPC courses. What I do is I um I guess we're still streaming. So I so I uh, yeah, we're just we're just become friends talking right now. No, no, we have these. Uh, I eat this candy we have lying around the house. Mm-hmm. Right, if you catch my drift, and um, <laughs> and then I, I have my- that candy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, and then I play my son Switch, and I play I, I play PGA Two K, and I play the courses. I'm telling you, this course. I mean, this course, it, like, it, I don't think Bryson will play well because it's the fairway is so it, it, it's just punitive. Like, if you get in the fairway, if you don't get the, the rough is punitive. Excuse me, and then like. It's tiny green. Second shot tiny is green. key. So I love like Casey Scheffler, Webb, those guys. I mean, DJ obviously has played well here too, but um, yeah, I think fourth smallest greens uh, on tour yeah. this year. So yeah, that's why Morikawa makes a ton of sense. If he's even somewhat field average putting, he's just- it's it's hard. To, I mean, this is turned into a golf show. It's hard to say too, like how these guys are going to fare coming back from Tokyo too. For sure. Um, yeah. Another that's why Scheffler makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've told this story on the pod before, but another quick note about golf, Will, that I don't know if <laughs> oh, you boy. know, because we are, us three, as well as other friends, are playing a private course in Vegas. I don't want to say the the name just in case there are still like business deals going on behind the scenes. We're not there but, yet. But we're, yeah, we're playing a private course in Vegas for during main event week, week one, because we'll all be there on Friday doing main event drafts or FFPC. And uh, let's just say that Connor has not played golf before. He's trying to learn. <laughs> he under, he's trying to understand how fun it is right now. And just a few weeks back, he showed up. Noon and I were there. You know, we went to the range and everything. And Connor looks at me because I was wondering, like, Connor hasn't played. How good could he be? Maybe he had some past 
previous uh, rep, reps in golf that he, we just don't know what he's hiding. And he looked at me and said, what are the numbers of these clubs for? I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. This is going to be the longest day of our lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, how'd, how'd it go? I assumed not very well. I, I, I went, finished two holes. Longest he, first he hole that we've ever possibly played. Let, let's I just finish, I finished two holes. That that's what I, I hold, hang my hat on. I got one bogey the entire time, and that is it. All the rest, I pick my ball up. Let's hey, just say, let's just say, from hole two on, Newton and I made him pick up his ball and move it to our balls. That's all right. <laughs> hey, look, game up. Anybody who gets into golf, good for you. Golf is golf is my favorite thing on the entire planet to do. So I agree. I absolutely agree. I want to go to Vegas. So wait, y'all going to week one? Yeah, week one, Wednesday to Saturday. Uh, Main event drafts are uh, Friday and Saturday for FFPC. And so we're going to draft, but we're getting there early because, you know, we're still working on, again, we can't really say anything, but uh, we're working on some stuff going on out there. And then we're also going to play golf while we're out there too. So You know, you got to look up who lives out there is a golf guy, Rick Gaiman. Rick Rungood? Yeah, I was about to say, is that Rick Rungood? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's out in in Vegas a few months ago. I think he might be a member somewhere out there. I had heard, like, just – just out of nowhere, sporadically talking to people about DFS or whatever on my travels the past couple of months. And they'll just be like, I don't play much DFS, but I play PGA DFS. And I just listen to this dude, Rick Rungood. Yeah. And like yeah, everyone yeah. just says, like, they just listen to Rick Rungood. And I'm like, yeah, because he's like very good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he has a site with like, like he, it's like, like the PGA doesn't have sh- shot tracker data and like Rick's mm-hmm. got it somehow on, on his site. Right. It's like, amazing. That makes sense. All right, now I will get out of here. I'm holding everybody up. Uh, Marshall Golf Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Also, uh, I agree that all the Browns (laughs) props are juiced out, but if you could still find like Miles Garrett five to seven to one um, as defensive player of the year, I still think that's like the safest bet you can make. It's a two man show between uh, Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald, and like the way the Browns' schedule sets up, Miles Garrett is just going to absolutely dominate. And you gotta remember too, like the jabronis who are doing these votes, like Pete Prisco, my my colleague. Right? <laughs> I mean, like they get voted for T, right? Like they don't yeah. want to, they they don't want to give it to Aaron Donald again. So somebody just like that's why Stefan Donald probably should have won it when Gilmore won it. But it's like, all right, somebody had a great year. Let's give it to them instead. The yeah, uh, the, Der- the Derrick Rose MVP year. Like we just exactly. had to give we had to give it to somebody else besides LeBron. Uh, so here's or, this guy. You guys, I don't know if you guys ever heard of this guy, Connor and Daigle, but Carl Malone once won the MVP. <laughs> I do, yeah. Uh, over Michael Jordan, and then Michael Jordan eviscerated everybody. Wiley Belichick has like one coach of the year. Yeah, and Shashevsky uh, has, I think Belichick has, Shashevsky and Belichick have like five combined coach of the year awards. It's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Belichick is literally no, doing Eagle. everything from GM to on, coach man. and yet. Yeah, all right. I'm good at it. I, I could talk to you all that. I'm good at it here. <laughs> no, I, 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 well, you know, real quick, though, before you go, do you want to help sell our betting subscription? Yeah, uh, what's the price right now? Because I believe it's still a very good deal because I know you get all the entire package and one. And I Everything use we have at 4 for 4. You know, DFS. Insane. Y'all are crazy. It, yeah. Uh, 169 you can get it for $35 if you make a deposit at Price Picks. I don't know who agreed to that. That happened before I uh, came on here full time. <laughs> I think that's a crazy deal, but for some reason we're giving away nearly a $200 season long. It gives you everything. It's all of our actual golf content as well um, for $35, but insane. And I always prefer like 
maybe this is the see this is the old spirit the boomer in me talking i prefer like the the manual like the hand lineups and that's kind of what the nfl props at 404 is as well because uh you're basically just taking paulson's props who he grinds all of them um projects them weekly and for season long and then you're saying like this doesn't match up and like you have the percentages on your end it's like 60 percent. like paulson crushes nfl books so yes 35 dollars. imagine not paying that now, wait, 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 where do I click to get the thirty five dollars? I need, I need more. Uh, use I the promo code Daigle ten for four for four uh, discounts. I'm like, uh, I'm that's actually. About, I'm bad about um, my NFL subscriptions just because I feel like like there's a sense of you know there's a sense of like I don't I don't need. <laughs> I do. I mean, I do. Like, I need help because this is, fantasy is not like it used to be. Like in two thousand three, when I could just take Sean Alexander and grab Jamal Lewis, or like. Yeah, like I was getting like Jamal Charles in, in the third and fourth round of my, you know, I mean, God. Yeah, well, just stack the Saints with Aaron Brooks, Joe Horn, and Deuce yeah. McAllister and just let yeah. them run, you know? Yeah, guys yeah. who wouldn't even make their junior high team, according to today. That's right. right. And, <laughs> and it's just like, a, it's just whatever takes decision making out of your hands and leaves less decisions in life. Obviously, that means less stress, less like mental thinking. That's great. Like, for instance, I could do the work for preseason, but when the ETR guys, our friends, all of our friends, are like doing it for us for $65 for like the next two months, why the hell would I do that? I'll just pay the $65. <laughs> let them show me who is is healthy cut scratched and then i'll do the work from there it's just like take all that stuff out of my hand so yes i promote all of my friends products including NBC sports edge redraft guide which is on the home page and you can use the promo code daigle 10 for real on that i'm signing <laughs> out for the four for four betting package right now oh, shit, i sold bro. i sold one <laughs> package on this show there you go oh my god oh, i I'm love selling it the package go to four for four.com <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and click on subscribe and you can get scroll down and get the i think what is the D, you get the dfs for like 25 bucks too right Super yeah cheap. the betting tool is, is unbelievable and worth it in itself we have more tools coming uh like daigle said it's uh 444.com backslash plans uh definitely check that out so all right now for real uh, i'm gonna get going y'all we, we can sign off this show we're gonna all go so will before we go uh where can everyone find you and all your stuff this season uh good check out uh the pick six podcast you can get uh at anywhere you get uh your podcast google play apple podcast spotify daily nfl content with uh not uh, more than a dollop of uh of, of humor and um lack of caring in general. Um, but uh, yeah, we do do that. And then of course it's cbssports.com and on Twitter at Will Brinson. Absolutely love it. So for John and Will and Connor, Connor, I think you'll be back next week. Hopefully God willing. Um, we'll be back again to do it all again next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>